It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Broadcasting from coast to coast. City to city, coast to coast. It's time for the Ryan Hickey Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. If it's happening in sports, it's being talked about right here. And here's your host, Ryan Hickey. Good Thursday morning and welcome in to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It is the Ryan Hickey Show back again. I apologize for the delay. As you can see in the background, here we'll get right to business, right to the important stuff. We have changed studios. For the first time in my life, I have finally moved out of my parents' I guess, I mean, I'll call my childhood home, but, you know, for those trolls on the internet that always love to say, oh, you're in your mom's basement, we moved out of my parents' basement, and now we are here in our brand new New York City studios coming to you live. So I apologize for the delay on Monday. We had some issues moving on in, had some different issues kind of getting everything set up, but now here we are ready to go moving forward. So very excited for that. Very excited to be back with you guys. It's been a very long time, what, a week and a half since you last been back on the air last Monday. So it is great to be back. And man, it is also great to be back because there is so much we got to get into. We only got two hours. We have a lot to dive into. Deshaun Watson news is hot and heavy. We will be monitoring that by the second. If we get a decision between now and 11 a.m., of course, we will keep you updated. We have Baker Mayfield drama. Is there any chance, any chance, he could be back with the Browns next season? We'll discuss that. Of course, today is not only St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day to not only those who are Irish, but everyone who celebrates. Everyone is Irish on a day like today. So hopefully you're out of work early, you're enjoying a few Guinnesses, and you are enjoying some great basketball because it is one of the great days of the year. March Madness, Thursday. 32 games we got today, over 12 hours. So pumped, so excited. So as you can tell, we got a lot to get into between now and 11 a.m. Just because the studio changes doesn't mean the sponsor does. Because as always, we're coming to you live from where else but the Big Italy Pizzeria Studios. Where there's great pizza, hot heroes, and phenomenal dinners. Make sure you check out BigItalyPizza.com to find a location near you. So let's get into Deshaun Watson and his decision. It's a tough one. Jay Glazer, Fox Sports has been all over the story. So is Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk. Both are reporting that Deshaun Watson is torn about his future. He is torn and unsure about which team he wants to play for in 2022 and beyond. There's no timetable for a decision, which also kind of goes to show that he may make a decision today. He may make a decision next week. It's a big one, and he is having a tough time deciding. It's down to four teams, as we know. It's the Browns, the Falcons, the Saints, and the Panthers. For me, if I was Deshaun Watson, the decision is easy. I think the team he should play for next year is the Cleveland Browns. It's easy, simple. It's the Browns and everyone else. And like I said, it's really not that big of a decision or really not that hard of a decision for me to make. And I do think not only Deshaun Watson will play there, I think he should play there. Because Cleveland has everything Deshaun Watson wants. All right, if he goes there right now, if he says today, I'm going to the Browns, 
I, you know, I'm making my formal request to get a Browns trade and they accept. Where are the Browns ranking in your mind right now? They have Deshaun Watson with the run game they have, with the defense they have, with the offensive line they have. I mean, I put him right there in a Super Bowl, you know, in a loaded AFC right there in the Super Bowl mix. They are one of the top teams in the conference. They are one of the top teams in all of the NFL. So that's why for me, it's one of the best landing spots. It's the best possible landing spot for Deshaun Watson. Jonathan Jones, a great NFL CBS um, sports reporter, a few days ago kind of put the criteria out there for what Deshaun Watson is looking like. According to a source, Jonathan Jones is reporting that there's really three main pieces of a criteria that Deshaun Watson is looking for when it comes to make a decision for his next team. He wants a team that has a good O-line. He wants a team that has a good defense. He wants a team that has a good head coach. Good line to protect him. Good defense to get some stops. And a good head coach that he can work with. When you look at the four options, the Browns have all three of those criteria. Check. Check, check. We look around, whether it's the Panthers, whether it's the Saints, whether it's the Falcons, the other three teams in the mix, none of those three teams check all three boxes the way the Browns do. If you look at Cleveland's O-line, they have a really, really solid O-line. Most important position in terms of the offensive line tackle position. They have Jedrick Wills Jr. on one side, Jack Conklin on the other. I know injuries kind of hurt both for both of them. They're 2021 seasons. But they are very solid tackles. When they are healthy, when they're out there, they will definitely keep Deshaun Watson upright. And not only can they protect him, give him time, they are tremendous when it comes to run blocking. Right? Each of the last three years, Browns have been one of the most dynamic and dominant run teams in the NFL. Been top six in rushing yards each of the last three seasons. So now if you're Deshaun Watson and you go to Cleveland, you will not only get the best offensive line, the best pass protection he's ever had in his career, you will also now have the best run game you've ever had in your entire NFL career so far. So it takes pressure off of you, makes your job a lot easier. So that's why for me, Cleveland Browns, O-line, big check in terms of what Deshaun Watson is looking for. He also wants what? A good defense. I don't know about you, I'd say the Browns have a pretty damn good defense. We have seen a trend now start in NFL free agency. If you see where a lot of the money is going, right, when it's where it's not quarterback, where it's not O-line, a lot of the big money now is going to edge rushers. Von Miller, I mean, got maybe the most outlandish contract I think I've ever seen. 33 years old, he's about to be. Six years, $120 million. Chargers trade for Khalil Mack. You know, Chandler Jones got a big money bag from, um, from the Raiders. Edge rushers, this free agent period have been a dime a dozen, have been getting paid by far the most money. So edge rusher is very important, right? If you don't have a quarterback, or if you do have a quarterback, you also got to make sure you can get after the quarterback. The Browns have a really good tandem to get after the quarterback, led by, of course, Miles Garrett. Man possessed last year, 16 sacks, dominant season. To his credit, Miles Garrett has continued to get better each and every season to where now he is absolutely living up to that number one overall pick where he was a few years ago. So you have a great defense that can, you know, has a really damn good secondary that can stop the pass. One of the best pass defenses in all the NFL last year. You have a great defensive line led by Miles Garrett who can get after the quarterback. I will put a big fat check 
next to good defense. So the Browns have a good offensive line, good defense, and I think they also have a very good head coach in Kevin Stefanski. Guy was coach of the year back in 2020, helped get to the Browns, uh, helped lead the Browns, I should say, to the playoffs in his first year, mind you, for the first time since 2002, helped them win a playoff game. I know he had COVID and missed the game, but he helped coach and was the head coach of a Cleveland Browns team that won a playoff game for the first time in 26 years. This guy was a great offensive mind. I think he's really good in terms of what he can draw up with the scheme and how he can get offenses going and constantly be creative and constantly put his team and his quarterback in a position to succeed. And again, similar to what I was talking about with the offensive line, he is a really good play designer when it comes to running the football. And obviously the Browns have a great one-two punch with Nick Chubb, with Kareem Hunt. So again, that now innovation in the run game helps take pressure off of Deshaun Watson where he was coming from Houston, especially in 2019 and 2020, he was being asked to do it all himself. So again, for the first time really in his career, Kevin Stefanski can be a head coach and call plays and and create an offensive scheme that makes Deshaun Watson's life easier. So when you look at what Deshaun Watson's looking for, good uh, offensive line, good defense, good head coach, Browns, check, check, check. They have all three. Which is why for me, it's a no-brainer. He absolutely should go to the Browns. Because when you look at the other three teams in contention, they all have question marks one way or another. The Saints, really good O-line, really good defense. But they have a question mark at head coach. If Sean Payton was there, different story. I'd probably be sitting here telling you the Saints should be the team that Deshaun Watson goes to. No Sean Payton, massive question mark in Dennis Allen. Defensive-minded guy, big failure when he was with the Raiders. Has he learned? We will find out. But if I'm Deshaun Watson, I don't want to really risk my career or, or go to New Orleans to find out if Dennis Allen is a good head coach or not. Again, Sean Payton leaving totally changes the calculus. Massive question mark in New Orleans with Dennis Allen as head coach. Speaking of question marks as head coach, Carolina. I like Matt Rule. I think if he has time, he can build something and build a sustainable winner in Carolina. Now, David Tepper, the owner, doesn't seem to have a ton of patience. And already heading to year number three, Matt Rule is seemingly on the hot seat. And it kind of feels, heading into 2022, like it is playoffs or bust for Matt Rule. So you have a head coach that's on the hot seat. You have your best player in Christian McCaffrey never being able to stay healthy. And he's played a total of 10 games the last two years. So you look, okay, a dynamic running back. You can throw on the ball. You can hand the ball off. He's a, you, you know, makes your life easier. And one of the most skilled players Deshaun Watson will play with, the issue is availability. So you can't go to Carolina because the head coach, is, you have no idea how long he's going to be there. And the most important player can't be relied upon to stay in the field. And when you look at the final option, the Falcons. Now, Deshaun Watson grew up in Georgia, near Atlanta, grew up for, you know, rooting for the Falcons. Outside of having that hometown connection, there's really nothing I could point to with the Falcons. I like Arthur Smith. I think he's a very good offensive mind. If they were able to get Deshaun Watson, you still have a massive crater at the quarterback position because Matt Ryan's contract, even if you trade him, is going to put a massive burden on the salary cap to where you're not going to really have many areas to improve the team this year. 2022 is basically going to be a wash, whether Deshaun Watson is there or not. No Calvin Ridley, as we know, because he's suspended uh, one year for gambling. Kyle Pitts is a dynamic tight end, but is Kyle Pitts 
the best player on any of these four teams? No, he is not. So I really can't find much of a bright spot, much of a reason to buy into the Falcons as being uh, the team that Deshaun Watson should go to. So the other three teams, Saints, Panthers, Falcons, I see holes, I see flaws in each one of them. Whereas I look at the Browns, I think they are the most complete and ready-to-win team. So if Deshaun Watson goes there, they are instant Super Bowl contenders. You want to say the Chiefs are the team to beat in the AFC, and you want to say the Bills are right there on their heels, I would put the Browns absolutely in that conversation. The Browns are absolutely with Deshaun Watson on the same level as the Chiefs, same level as the Bills. If you want to put the Broncos in there with Russell Wilson, I'd say all four of those teams are the four teams upper echelon of the AFC. The Browns would absolutely be legit. They are loaded on both sides of the ball. And this would be a team that I'm telling you would wreak havoc for years to come, especially in a loaded AFC. So if I'm Deshaun Watson, he is torn according to reports. Jay Glazer's been all over it. Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk has been all over it. Deshaun Watson is torn about what team he should play for. For me, the answer is simple. I think it should be the Browns. It's not even close. How about you? Where will Deshaun Watson play football in 2022? Which team should he choose? Love to get your thoughts. Facebook, we're on their Worldwide Sports Ray Network. We're on Twitter, as you know, at Ryan Hickey Show. Ryan Hickey Show on Twitter. Also, WWSRN underscore radio is where you can find our Worldwide Sports Radio Network show handle. We're on YouTube as well, broadcasting live, Worldwide Sports Radio Network there. You can comment on the YouTube live uh, section as well. So, love to hear your thoughts here. Where will Deshaun Watson play football in 2022? We'll get your thoughts. And when we return, I say the Browns is where Deshaun Watson should play. If he doesn't, Go to the Browns. If he chooses one of the other NFC North teams, is there any chance the Browns could have a reunion with Baker Mayfield? We'll discuss that when we return us into the Ryan Hickey Show back in our brand new New York City studios. We'll be back here in just a few minutes on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show, right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back into the Ryan Hickey Show. Where else, as you heard, but the Worldwide Sports right now. First day in the brand new New York City studios. I apologize for some of the commercial issues. We're still working out some of the technical difficulties, still working out some of the kinks. So we will get the music back. We will get the commercials kind of firing clearer and better as we progress. So thank you for kind of bearing with us and, and as we kind of solve these issues moving forward. But back to at least what we are talking about, back to the main story people care about, and that is the Sean Watson's future and also the future of Baker Mayfield. We're taking thoughts here on Facebook, Worldwide Sports Network, Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio or at Ryan Hickey show. Where will Deshaun Watson be playing football in 2022? I think it's the Browns. I think the Browns by far makes the most sense. JMD writes on the live stream on Twitter. You can find at Ryan Hickey show. He agrees. He goes, I'm not even sure why Deshaun Watson is even wasting this much time. Any of the other teams he goes to, which the other three teams are the Saints, the Panthers, and the Falcons, it would be two to three years before they can be legitimate Super Bowl contenders. And I would agree. The Saints, out of those three, are by far the team that's on the fast path to competing and contending. 
But out of the four teams, Saints, Browns, Panthers, Falcons, to me, by far, the, the Browns are the team that's ready to win now the most, and by far the team that is ready to be Super Bowl contenders 2022. So I think it's an easy decision. Deshaun Watson should go to the Browns. But, but, let's say he doesn't. Let's say he doesn't. He goes to any of the other three NFC South teams. Is there any chance Baker Mayfield returns as his starting quarterback for the Browns in 2022? I don't think so. I think we've already seen Baker Mayfield take his final snap as a member of the Browns. Whether it's Deshaun Watson or not, if Deshaun Watson leaves to go elsewhere, I still don't think Baker Mayfield is coming back to play in Cleveland in 2022 because the goodbye tweet he sent out on Tuesday night, thanking the city of Cleveland, saying he you know, he gave the Browns all he had throughout his four years here. Him and his wife Emily have you know loved the city and they have made him feel welcome. But basically he's out there saying, in his words, what was a goodbye, but was essentially was, or a thank you, I should say. He put out a thank you note, but that essentially served as a goodbye note. And I don't think now you can come back from putting out a goodbye letter one day and then let's say the next week saying, oh, I'm back. I think we've already seen Baker Mayfield take his final snap and he put that message out there knowing whether Deshaun Watson is a Brown or not, he is done in Cleveland. And if you're the Browns, I think they're doing the right thing and the risk of, or the risk of Baker leaving is worth the reward of getting Deshaun Watson. On the other side, though, I don't think Baker Mayfield is doing the right thing here, is doing the smart thing in kind of closing off his possibility of going back to Cleveland and basically shutting that down. From the Browns' perspective, let's start there first. Like I said, I think the risk is worth the reward. The reward of getting Deshaun Watson is massive. He is a top-five quarterback in the NFL. Let's not forget, the last time he played, obviously, was 2020. I know the Texans' record was 4-12 and that year. Deshaun Watson made the Pro Bowl for a reason. He led the NFL in passing yards, 33 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. This was with a team full of crap. We have seen the Texans play the last two years. They are terrible. They have no offensive line, no threat of a run game, no real receiver to throw the ball to. Remember, 2020, they traded away DeAndre Hopkins to the Cardinals. He had nothing. Deshaun Watson had nothing and still put up a career year in Houston. So if he does now go to Cleveland, the Browns are getting a top five quarterback in the NFL. Like I said before, you were instantly a Super Bowl contender. You have teams like the Chiefs, I get that are loaded. The Buffalo Bills now are going all in. And the Bengals just went to the Super Bowl and they don't look like they're slowing down. The Broncos got Russell Wilson and they're a team that is loaded everywhere now that they have Russ as their quarterback. I would absolutely put the Browns right in the conversation, right in the mix of those other four teams. They are by far one of the most elite teams in the AFC and one of the top teams in all of the NFL. That's a massive, massive reward to get because as we know, as we've seen so far through the first four years, there are more questions and doubts about Baker Mayfield than there are answers. I'm a Baker believer. Let me seriously say that. I like Baker Mayfield. I think he could have success. I think a lot of his early struggles were in doing because of the Browns' dysfunction. He had four different head coaches the first three years of his career. This past offseason, right, the 2020 season going to 2021, was the first time in his career 
He had the same offense and the same head coach going from one year to the next. Unfortunately, he got hurt week number two. For me, a lot of his struggles, a lot of them, not all of them, a lot of them, were because of shoulder injury he suffered in week number two. But still, there are questions. There are concerns of whether he could be that top 10, top 7, top 5 elite quarterback that you're going to need now in an AFC that is getting loaded and is filled with young, talented quarterbacks. There was that question, right? 2020 was Baker Mayfield's best year, 26 touchdowns. Was he ever truly great? No. So there are questions, and the Browns have their own questions because that's why they didn't extend Baker Mayfield, right? The the reason why he's playing on his fifth-year option this year, if he does play in Cleveland, is because they didn't trust him enough and they didn't have enough answers to say he is definitely a franchise quarterback. So there's no guarantee in Baker Mayfield that he can ever live up to being a top-five quarterback in the AFC, let alone a top-five quarterback in the NFL, whereas if you trade for Deshaun Watson, you have that guarantee. He is that bona fide stud you can have for the next decade and be in the class upper echelon of the NFL for a very long time. So you are now, if you're the, the Browns, basically trying to trade a question mark for an answer. I think that's a massive reward you get or you should pursue because the risk is, there is a big risk, is kind of what we're seeing now. Baker Mayfield's not happy. He put out that thank you tweet that served as a goodbye basically kind of signaling one way or another he's out. So if Deshaun Watson chooses to play elsewhere, if he goes to one of the three NFC teams, uh, NFC South teams in the mix, well, if you're the Browns, you are now realistically downgrading your quarterback position in 2022. This is a Super Bowl caliber roster that now you are getting worse at in 2022 at the most important position in sports. But this is why I like the risk for the Browns, and I think it's worth it. You can't have fear paralyze your decision-making. You can't have the fear of striking out not allow you to come up to bat, not allow you to take a swing. Because realistically, if they swing and miss, and Baker Mayfield gets upset what you did and now seemingly wants out, and whether he's whether it's Watson or not, it seems, according to reports, Baker Mayfield is done in Cleveland. He's already taken his final snap. So realistically, if you don't get Deshaun Watson, who are you going to get? Jimmy G, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota. Most of the quarterbacks that are out there are either marginal to Baker Mayfield in terms of play or worse, or downgrade. So you, at best, are staying the same in 2022 as you were in 2021 and 2020, but you got to get up draft capital, whether it's Jimmy G by far the most, or whether you're taking a, a massive risk in Jameis Winston or Marcus Mariota that are going to be downgrades, you are, for at least 2022, having a Super Bowl caliber roster take a step back. But you know what? Again, I respect and I love front offices and organizations that don't get paralyzed by that fear. You have to be bold. Fortune favors the bold, to use an old cliche. And that's why I respect and I do stand behind the Browns making this move full, you know, fully knowing if we swing and miss, it's probably going to be ugly in 2022. It's probably going to have to be some sort of stopgap quarterback that's going to come in there and have to try to, you know, win us a game and maybe get us to the playoffs in 2022, and it's not going to be good. There's going to be a lot of Browns fans upset. Why couldn't you just keep Baker Mayfield, especially if he comes back fully healthy and shows you what he did in 2020, especially the second half of that 2020 season? We had 15 touchdowns, two interceptions, the final seven games of the year, including two playoff games. Like, Baker Mayfield's no slouch. 
I would say he's a top half quarterback in the NFL. I wouldn't say he's, you know, elite by far, but he is definitely a guy who, let's not forget, got the Browns to the playoffs and won a playoff game. Played well in that playoff win two of the Steelers. So he's a guy you could win with. But the Browns going and chasing that elite quarterback that could put them over the top has a massive reward and the risk to me is worth it. Swinging and missing under Sean Watson and in the process alienating uh, Baker Mayfield is absolutely worth it. Even if it's, let's say, Marcus Mariota, a quarterback for the Browns next year, I still say worth it. On the flip side, though, I don't think what Baker Mayfield did was smart. I don't think Baker Mayfield basically taking himself out of the conversation of returning to Cleveland in 2022 is smart, and here's why. Right? What does Baker want? He wants to be wanted. He wants to be a franchise quarterback. Now, he wants to get paid. Going into year number five, seeing these salaries for quarterbacks skyrocket, he wants to cash in, deservingly so. He thought he could have got paid after 2020. Browns waited. As we know, the injury uh, plague 2021 season gave the Browns no reason to pay him. And they're doing the right thing the Browns are. But if you're Baker Mayfield, you want the team to have your back. With that said, though, by you basically taking yourself out of the running to be Cleveland's quarterback, with you basically saying, I'm out, see you later, whether it's Deshaun Watson or not, I'm done, the risk you're taking here is that you are not really helping yourself get paid. Because when you look at the Browns, like I said, the Browns are a really good team. If you take their roster, take the quarterback aside, and just, let's say, go from 2 to 53, their roster is top five in the NFL. I like the Browns a lot. So the thing and the issue is for Baker Mayfield is if you want to get paid, if you want to show that I can have success and be that franchise quarterback you need, well, if you try to go do it elsewhere, there's not many other places that are as good or even better than what the Browns have. So you're, in theory, for the most part, probably going to a worse team that's only going to make it harder for you to have success. And if you look at the possible options here in the trade for Baker Mayfield, the first team, the obvious team, and I think the, the best team available for Baker Mayfield is the Colts. They have a lot of ready-made areas, you know, offensive line, defense is good, great running back in Jonathan Taylor, Great, I think a really good head coach of Frank Reich, who, who was a good offensive mind. There was a lot of similarities between the Colts and the Browns. You can even make the argument. Because of the division they are in, the Colts are a better landing spot and a better situation for Baker Mayfield to have success in than the Browns. Okay, fine. If he goes to the Colts, it works out for Baker Mayfield. He's in a great spot to have success and to try to get paid. But if it's not the Colts, if... Baker Mayfield, if the Colts, I should say, go elsewhere, and Baker Mayfield is traded somewhere that's not Indianapolis, I mean, you're looking at possibilities like Carolina, if they miss out on Deshaun Watson, Seattle, who right now doesn't know what they want, who they want, is in a total, you know, hellhole, I would say, in one of the worst spots you could be in the NFL. Uh, one of the, t- you know, teams trending downwards, absolutely Seattle. If you are Baker Mayfield and you go to Carolina with no offensive line, with a running back in Christian McCaffrey that can't stay on the field. Again, we mentioned before, he has played 10 games total in two years. Head coaches on the hot seat. There's a lot in Carolina that's not too desirable. You go to Seattle where everything is a mess, where they run the ball without being able to truly run the ball. The offensive line's not great. There's not a lot of talent 
on that Seattle roster. Now they're cutting and trading the best players on their team. Sure, you have DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett. You really don't have much else. There is, you know, you go to Carolina or Seattle. For Baker Mayfield, it's going to be tough to not only have success and also get paid. But you are really putting yourself in a worse situation next year by kind of forcing your way out of Cleveland and possibly ending up in Carolina or Seattle than if you sucked it up. If you stayed patient, see where Deshaun Watson goes, and then from there make your decision. Like if he goes to, let's say, I don't know, New Orleans. But Baker Mayfield didn't put this tweet out. He didn't say goodbye to the Cleveland faithful. I think there is still a chance of a reunion. Of a, I guess, de-icing is, is the word between the, the Browns and Baker Mayfield. There was a chance for Baker Mayfield to use the Browns' interest in Deshaun Watson to put it as a chip on his shoulder and motivate and come out and play well. Because let's not forget, Baker Mayfield played pretty well in 2020. Again, the Browns went to playoffs for the first time since 2002. They won a playoff game for the first time in 26 years. The last seven games of the season including the playoffs, Baker Mayfield had 15 touchdowns to two picks. He played his best football of the season down the stretch. If he has a 2022 season that is similar to 2020, I mean, maybe I'm just being naive here. I think there's a contract extension there that the Browns would give Baker. But instead, you take yourself out of the running and now you leave yourself susceptible to getting traded to a worse situation than what you have in Cleveland and making your goal of getting paid, of being a franchise quarterback harder because teams like Carolina, teams like Seattle have far less resources, have far less talent than the Browns do. So I think Baker Mayfield was better off waiting, seeing where Deshaun Watson goes. And if he goes somewhere that's not Cleveland, you could have came back and still tried to have success and had a good season and gotten paid. Whereas now, again, outside of the Colts, you are going to a way worse situation than you have in Cleveland and you're making your life a lot harder. So for Baker, I don't like his approach to how he is treating basically the Deshaun Watson negotiations. For the Browns, I love it. They, to me, they're doing the right thing. The reward of getting Deshaun Watson is worth the risk of alienating Baker Mayfield. And if you miss out on Deshaun Watson, it is worth the downgrade now, it's going to happen at quarterback in 2022 because Baker is dead and gone. Or long gone, I should say. Not dead. He's very much alive. Very much alive. So I'm curious your thoughts here. Is there any chance in your mind the Browns and Baker can make up? Can they come together, kumbaya, break bread, put their differences aside, and if Deshaun Watson plays for another team that's not the Browns, do you see a reunion between Baker and the Browns happening in Cleveland. Love to get your thoughts. Again, you know the handles. At Ryan Hickey Show on Twitter. WWSRN underscore radio also on Twitter. Facebook, we're there. Uh, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Also on YouTube, same handle, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Type that on YouTube. We are streaming live on the tube. Comment right there. We'll get your thoughts on if Baker and the Browns can come together and put their differences aside. When we return, we'll continue to talk Baker and the Browns. We'll continue to talk Deshaun Watson's future. And also, also, let's not forget, it's the first day of the tournament, baby. We got 32 games in 12 hours. Who's making the final four? I got my four teams, and I'm basing it off of one key element that history has shown. These teams, if you have it, 
you will have success. I'll tell you what that is when we return us into the Ryan Key Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show, right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back in, Ryan Hickey Show, with you right here on this Thursday morning. Happy St. Paddy's Day to those of Irish descent and those of not, because on St. Paddy's Day, come on, everyone is Irish. We're a little green like we're doing today on the show. Have a Guinness. Have a good time because today is truly March 17th. Today, the exact day of 2022 is one of the best days we'll have of the year. St. Patrick's Day. NCAA tournament starts today. You really can't ask for a better combination. Good times, good drinks, and now great games to watch by far. One of the best days of all the year. So I'm super excited. Very excited to be back with you here on the Worldwide Sports Network. And as always, as we are now just about two, two and a half hours from getting the tournament underway. Hopefully by now your brackets are all in. If not, a lot of cramming to do. But in case you are still making your brackets, here are my final four picks that are guaranteed to be right. Because I'm basing all my final four uh, teams there's one thing they all have in common, and that is experience. I'm taking to make the Final Four is this. Texas Tech, Baylor, Arizona, Kansas. Three number one seeds, a three seed, three teams from the Big 12. So that's definitely going to go to plan. Especially anytime I pick Arizona, things always go very, very horribly. But I have these four teams making it. I have the Kansas Jayhawks. As my champion, and here's why. Because of the word I said before, experience. When we look back at tournament, right? If you look back at recent NCAA tournament champions, the teams that are left standing at the end, the teams that are truly the ones cutting down the nets, have been older, experienced teams. Like If you look at the last five champions we have had, Villanova's won twice, Baylor won last year, North Carolina won, Virginia won. All, I guess, four of those teams, but, you know, five champions, all have been veteran-laden, veteran-laden, easy for me to say, teams. They've all been teams that have been through the ringer, that have upperclassmen running the team, that have upperclassmen kind of being the leaders complemented by young stars. Right? We know college basketball now is basically become one and done, right? Calipari at, at Kentucky, Coach K at Duke now. A lot of the big-time elite recruits are still going to college basketball, but they're going to those certain schools to go try to win a championship in one year and then bounce to go to the NBA. But here's the thing. Teams like Kentucky, teams like Duke, may have the most talent, but again, when you get into these tournament settings, when you get into now the part of the year where truly everyone is watching, and no disrespect to college basketball, I do love college basketball myself, but let's call it for what it is. I know a lot of the national audience is not watching college basketball really until last week, right? Conference championship week when games are on at you know Wednesday and Thursday at like one o'clock in the afternoon, it's great. And now you're, oh, let's start getting the brackets ready. Let's see, oh, Duke is playing. Let's check them out. Right? A lot of teams or a lot of people, even yours truly, don't truly get into college basketball until later on in the year. So when you look at kind of 
the big names and a lot of talent, sure, oh man, Duke flies off. Kentucky kind of really pops off the screen when it talks about all the five-star recruits they have and all the talent that they have on their team. But again, in these settings, when it is two games in three days, when everyone is watching and caring, those older teams that don't kind of fold in the moment are the ones that have success. So experience, especially to get later on in the tournament, plays a huge, huge role in determining who advances and who doesn't. Now, as we know, the lights only get brighter, especially as the season uh, as the tournament goes along. The stage, literally, literally, the stage gets bigger as the season and the tournament continues. So you have a lot of those younger teams led by freshmen, you know, three, four, five starting freshmen in the in the lineup in the fold. Those teams do tend to come up short, do tend to get panicked and not get the job done. So having sturdy veterans, having guys who have been there before to control your emotions, to not allow the teams to get rattled is huge, which is why the four teams I picked, Texas Tech, Baylor, Kansas, and Arizona, in one way or another, all have the same thing in common. They are very experienced teams that I think will flourish on the big stage, where in other past years, or or even compared to other teams currently in the tournament, that lack of experience to me is something that's absolutely concerning. When you look at, let's say, Kansas, my champion for this year, four out of their five top scorers are upperclassmen. They have a ton of talent. They have a ton of experience. They've been in the tournament before. Bill Self, obviously, is a legend. He's been there a ton. He's won a national title. So you have now a lot of that important key experience that where you know when they start playing, they're not going to get rattled. They're not going to have the look at the lights or look at the stadium and be like, oh man, we're in the Sweet 16 or Elite 8. This is big time. No. They'll be fine. They'll be calm. And I do think that they will continue to take that all the way through. They are my champion. Absolutely my champion. But Texas Tech, not a lot of people are picking them. You look at Texas Tech. Team led by four seniors. Again, a ton of veteran experience on that team. Led by Mark Adams, head coach. They play tremendous defense. Tough, defensive-minded teams. Those gritty teams do tend to have success in the tournament because kind of like the NBA playoffs, right? the the NCAA tournament does really, for the most part, favor low-scoring games and kind of ugly, grinded-out games. Right? College basketball is never the prettiest product anyway because a lot of Shots are missed. It's nowhere near the NBA in terms of the level of shooting, the level of efficiency. So you have a lot of these tournament games kind of getting ugly. So when you have a gritty, tough, defensive-minded team like you do at Texas Tech, I think that plays really well um, to a tournament setting like we have. And not to mention, you have also key players like Kevin O'Banner, who was part of that big Oral Roberts run that went to the Sweet 16 last year. So you have experienced guys for Texas Tech. You have guys that have been on the big stage and had success before. I think that bodes well. They, I do think, will beat Gonzaga to go to the Final Four. Baylor, national champs last year. I know they lost a lot of guys like Macy Oteague and Davion Mitchell, like two of very important pieces from last year's national title team. But they still have a ton of contributors that played in big games last year. Still have a lot of important pieces, some great depth Baylor has. Scott Drew, obviously, a ton of experience. Has really built the juggernaut now in Waco, Texas. I'm a big believer in Baylor. I think they'll run through their bracket and make to the Final Four. I think they'll make to the national title game. I have the national title game, a Big 12 rematch, Kansas and Baylor. 
but I do love the experience that Baylor has last year. I do think now coming off of that title is not going to be a hangover because again, now a lot of those players have been there, know how to get the job done. I think that will carry over even when they lose some key important pieces from last year's national title to uh, national title team. And Arizona, my fourth and final final four selection, same thing. Almost every important player they have is somewhat an upperclassman, sophomore, junior, senior. And I do think that is a huge dividend that's going to pay off big time here in the tournament. So you got Arizona, Texas Tech, Kansas, and Baylor going to the Final Four. Kansas being the national champ in part because all four of those teams had the experience factor that I like that I'm looking for. Like I do get nervous, I'll be honest, with teams like Kentucky who featured three, four freshmen that are still very young. I know you know, Coach Cat loves a one-and-done. It's had a lot of success at Kentucky doing so. I do get nervous about those kind of teams come tournament time. Iowa's been a very popular um, Final Four pick coming out of their region. The thing that gets me nervous about a team like Iowa, they have a lot of experience. They've been around the block as well. Keegan Murray's one of the best college players this season. He's going to be a lot of fun to watch in this tournament. But the thing that, at least history has shown, teams that have these hot runs during conference championship week don't usually carry over that success to the tournament. It's a long week. You know, you know they've played, Iowa played about four games last year, uh, last week. Now you're getting, you know, week off, getting back into it. I know you could say they're college kids, they'll be fine. But we have seen a lot of times these teams that get hot in the tournament make a run and win their conference tournament don't have a ton of success come tournament time, NCAA tournament time. So I'm not picking Iowa as my Final Four. I know they've been a very popular pick for a lot of people, not for me. So my Final Four one last time. Kansas, Texas Tech, Baylor, Arizona. Kansas is my champion. That are my picks. Guaranteed to be wrong. Without a doubt, I promise you by, let's say, 1 p.m. Eastern, the bracket will already be shredded. So some interesting news coming out of the NFL here as we get set to take a break. The New Orleans Saints have continued to do this incredible dance around the salary cap. They have renegotiated more contracts and now have had, um, or now have, I should say, restructured Taysom Hill, his contract, Malcolm Jenkins, his contract, and the Saints, miraculously, have gone from literally, no joke, no hyperbole here, the worst cap situation in all the NFL heading into the season. They have now opened up $30 million of salary cap room, which is important because guess what? The Saints are in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. They're one of the four teams. And now, not only if you can show Deshaun Watson, hey, we have you know room to take you on, your salary, we now also have room to make improvements. We don't have to gut our team. We don't have to trade you know players just to get under the salary cap. We can continue to not only add you, but continue to add pieces to make our team stronger. Nick Underhill, who does cover the Saints, um, just tweeted two minutes ago, Saints brass met with Deshaun Watson for a second time last night, according to his sources. Deshaun Watson is torn. Jay Glazer's been on the story. Pro, uh, Pro Football Talks Mike Florio's been on the story that Deshaun Watson is torn of whether he wants to, and which team wants to play for. Four teams, Falcons, Saints, Panthers, Browns, 
all have made intriguing pitches, according to sources uh, that are close to Sean Watson. And Deshaun Watson is now reportedly torn with which team to play for. But now Nick Underhill reporting, at least, that the Saints so far seem to be the first and only team, at least that I have seen, that have had a second meeting with Deshaun Watson. Very interesting. Something to watch out for. We'll continue to keep you updated right here on the Ryan Hickey Show. I think he's going to go to the Browns. I think it makes the most sense. I think that's the decision he's going to make. But we will see. Again, he's he's meeting with the Saints now. Um, and we will find out, hopefully soon, a decision made by Deshaun Watson. Will he stay? Or where will he go? He's not staying anywhere. He's definitely not staying in Houston, that's for sure. Where will he go? I say the Browns. How about yourself? So continue to take your thoughts here on, ooh, excuse me, on the Ryan Hickey Show. At Ryan Hickey Show on Twitter. I do want to take a, at least a break and a, a quick beat from the Deshaun Watson uh, discussion to talk about a team in Seattle. The Seahawks yesterday put out a statement that I frankly thought was pathetic. They are, to me, in big trouble. Like this is a team that's not winning anytime fast, and they are one of they are in one of the worst situations in all the NFL. I will explain why that is when we return us into the Reineke Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show, right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back in, Ryan Hickey here with you on this Thursday morning, and we got ourselves some breaking news, or at least, I don't say breaking news, some breaking news reports about the potential decision from Deshaun Watson. Aaron Wilson who has done a tremendous job. He's based in Houston. He's you know used to cover the Houston Texans on a daily basis, now covers the NFL nationally for Pro Football Network. He just tweeted minutes ago, three minutes ago, that we told you before the break, right, that the Saints had a second meeting with Deshaun Watson last night. Aaron Wilson now tweeted, the Saints are working hard to convince Deshaun Watson to waive his no-trade clause for them. And according to Aaron Wilson's sources... The decision for Deshaun Watson is, is expected to come between the Saints and the Falcons. Saints have been characterized as the leader, according to Aaron Wilson. They have maintained dialogue since the first meeting, which, if you remember, they met on Tuesday. They were the first team to meet with, uh, with Deshaun Watson. And now, at least according to Aaron Wilson, the decision that was at four teams between the Browns, Falcons, Saints, and Panthers is now down to just two Saints and Falcons. I'll be honest, I don't really get it. I don't get the appeal for at least the Falcons, and I personally don't understand why the Browns are not a finalist. I think the Cleveland Browns are by far the best destination for Deshaun Watson. Out of those four teams, I think Deshaun Watson would have the most success I think he would is best fit for Cleveland. They have a they have exactly what he wanted. Jonathan Jones of CBS Sports, a tremendous NFL insider, he tweeted a few days ago, according to his sources that are closer to Sean Watson. Deshaun Watson for his new team is looking for three things. He wants a team that has a good O-line, a good defense, and a good head coach. Well, if you're looking for those those three things in a team, I think out of the four teams that are remaining, the Cleveland Browns have by far all three of the areas Deshaun Watson's looking for. 
They have a really good offensive line. They run the ball like no one else. They will give him time and protection they didn't have in uh, Houston. They have a really good defense. Miles Garrett is unblockable off the edge. They have a really good pass secondary. I think Cleveland absolutely defensively has um, the makings to be a top 10 defense. And they have a good head coach in Kevin Stefanski. Stefanski, again, did kind of almost the impossible in Cleveland in his first year, got him to the playoffs, and helped win a playoff game. He is someone for me that scheme-wise and offensive-minded-wise is one of the better coaches in the NFL. So when you look at the Browns compared to the other three teams in the running, I think the Browns have the best O-line of the four teams. They have the best defense of the four teams and have the best by far head coach of the four teams. So Jonathan Jones's sources are correct, which again, Jonathan Jones is always spot on and is, gets a lot of things right. So I don't think he's he's wrong here or being misled. The three things that Sean Watson is looking for, good O-line, good head coach, good defense, check, check, check for the Cleveland Browns. So I don't get now as you sit here and Aaron Wilson is breaking the story, or at least according to his sources reporting, that the decision for Deshaun Watson is between the Saints and the Falcons. I don't personally get why the Browns have been eliminated so fast. I would have had the Browns number one on my list. I think by far the Browns are the best destination for Deshaun Watson. They are instant, instant, even in a loaded AFC, instant Super Bowl contenders Put them in the same class as the Chiefs, as the Bills, as the Broncos. They are absolutely one of the teams to beat in the AFC if they get Deshaun Watson. But again, in case you're just tuning in, Aaron Wilson, Pro Football Network NFL reporter, saying Deshaun Watson's decision is down to now two teams, Saints and the Falcons. So if we take the Panthers out of the conversation, we take the Browns out of the conversation, this to me is an easy one. It's the Saints. It's absolutely the Saints. The Saints are in the second best position to win. I still think they're further away from winning than the Browns are now. But the Saints do have a lot going for them to where if it's just between the Saints and the Falcons, I don't even get how this is a decision, a conversation. The Saints are way more attractive. They have a really good offensive line, really good defense. This is a team, let's not forget, who had... Four different quarterbacks play for them last year. Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill, Trevor Simeon, and Ian Book. Those are the four quarterbacks for the Saints last year. Despite that, despite missing their all-pro receiver in Michael Thomas for the entire season and having Alvin Kamara suffer an injury and miss a few games, these Saints somehow went 9-8, and eight, and we're on the cusp of a playoff berth into week 7, or week now 18, I should say. Week 18! They were in the playoff conversation. They had a winning record with the four quarterbacks being uh, Jameis Winston, Ian Book, Trevor Simeon, Taysom Hill. Now, I know Sean Payton was the mastermind behind that. I understand Sean Payton left. But now if you are Deshaun Watson, you're looking at whether to decide between the Saints and the Falcons. 
The Saints are getting Michael Thomas back. They restructured his contract. He missed all of last year. He is healthier. He is under contract. He will be back. And you would think uh, Michael Thomas would be overjoyed to play with Deshaun Watson. So Michael Thomas will be back and he'll be engaged. You have Alvin Kamara as one of the best weapons in all the NFL, running the ball, catching the ball in the backfield. You have tremendous, so two great weapons. If you don't know Sean Watson, throw the ball to. Again, a really good O-line that protect you. Really good defense. Great home field advantage. And a very easy division. And a very easy conference. So it looks like between the Saints and the Falcons, he's going to the NFC South no matter what. Obviously, Tom Brady's coming back. The Buccaneers will be the team to beat in the, com- uh, in the division. But if you have Deshaun Watson on the Saints, a team that, let's not forget, beat Tom Brady and the Bucs last year twice, once with Jameis, once with Taysom Hill, this is going to be a team that absolutely will push the Buccaneers for the division. And when you look at the rest of the AFC, the Rams obviously are going to reload, and they did lose some pieces, but I still think they'll be. I still think they're the team to beat in the NFC right now. Packers have Aaron Rodgers returning, but because of the salary cap, because of the massive hit that Aaron Rodgers is taking, they have to make cuts elsewhere, including Zedari Smith, see you later. Some offensive line depth is gone, and Devonta Adams right now is very, very PO'd at the Packers, and may, may, it's early, may try to force his way out because he said he's now playing on the franchise tag, and if they can't get to a contract extension by July, maybe Devonta Adams is gone. We'll see. But basically, the Packers had everything there and are still now getting worse. So you look quickly at this NFC. Rams lost some pieces. Packers losing some pieces. The Buccaneers, yes, they have Tom Brady back, but they're losing some pieces, especially on the offensive line. The NFC is open. The NFC is there for the taking, where if you are the Saints and you get Deshaun Watson, you're absolutely in the Super Bowl mix. Cowboys, are they worrying you? No. Commanders are Carson Wentz. No, no one's concerned about that. Kirk Cousins in Minnesota, no one's batting an eye at that. Seahawks are regressing. The Cardinals, I don't trust late in the season. 49ers are running Trey Lance out there. We'll see uh, how he does in, in year number one. But you think with a rookie, or I'm going to call him rookie quarterback because he played two games last year. He's basically a rookie quarterback, even though he's a second-year guy. You have no idea what he's going to be. You'd assume the team is going to take a step back from going to the NFC title game last year. So that NFC is wide the hell open and the Saints have pieces in place in order to contend for the division in order to contend for a Super Bowl in 2022 right away whereas the Falcons the other finalists the only thing they really have going for them is that they are Deshaun Watson's home team now I get it right you have that connection you have that childhood love for a team you grew up watching it could be a dream come true to go play for the Falcons it could be even motive, extra motivating because the Falcons right now are kind of in disarray to be the savior, to try to go home, to try to resurrect the Falcons and bring them a Super Bowl and kind of do something Matt Ryan's never been able to do, Michael Vick has never been able to do, and go bring a Super Bowl championship to Atlanta. So I get the appeal from at least, you know, having the, the home heartstrings, if you will, pull your way and try to take you to Atlanta. But if we're talking about on-the-field success-wise, there is nothing really there for the Falcons to offer that should get Deshaun Watson enticed. Kyle Pitts is a great tight end, don't get me wrong. He had a really solid rookie year. 
But would you rather have, let me ask you this, would you rather have Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas, or would you rather have Kyle Pitts and Cordero Patterson? And if you're a quarterback, if you're Deshaun Watson, the answer is a no-brainer. You're taking the duo in New Orleans over the duo in Atlanta every time. It's simple. It's very simple. I like Arthur Smith as a head coach. I think he's a very good offensive mind. But this Falcons team is stuck because there's not a lot of talent on the roster. Defensively, they haven't been great. Offensive line, they struggle. Running the ball has been a mess. Now your best receiver in Calvin Ridley is suspended for the entire year in 2022. There's a lot of work. And oh, you're not to mention, Matt Ryan's contract is going to be a tough one to move. Even if Matt Ryan is traded, his dead cap number is $55 million. Meaning, whether he's there or not next year, $55 million is sitting on the Falcons' salary cap for Matt Ryan, which means when you add Deshaun Watson's contract to the the roster as well, it's going to make it very hard for them to make trades or sign free agents to make their team better in 2022. So again, as we are reacting to the Aaron Wilson report, if you're just joining us, the Ryan Hickey showed here on the Worldwide Sports Network, welcome. Aaron Wilson of Pro Football Network, a very respected and connected NFL reporter in the Houston area, where Deshaun Watson is leaving, he reported about 10 minutes ago, 15 minutes ago, Deshaun Watson is down to two teams, the Saints and the Falcons. He characterized the Saints as the leader in the clubhouse so far. These Saints, according to Nick Underhill, another Saints beat reporter, um, according to him, the Saints met with Deshaun Watson for a second time last night. According to Jay Glazer, Deshaun Watson is torn about his decision. It was four teams. Now it's seemingly down to two, Saints and the Falcons. Again, for me, the answer if it's between the Saints and the Falcons is a simple one. Super easy, not really a big decision to be made here. It should be the Saints, 10 out of 10. They have the weapons, the offensive line, the defensive line, the talent to win and be Super Bowl contenders in 2022 where the Falcons, it's going to take a while. It's going to be a few years at best for the Falcons to kind of turn this around to become Super Bowl contenders. Now, Deshaun Watson is young. He'll be 27 by the time week one starts. So I get it. It's not like he's like Aaron Rodgers where the clock is ticking and you have a short window to capitalize on. But right now, the NFC is open. The Rams are getting weaker. The Packers are getting weaker. The Bucks are getting weaker. And really, no one else scares you. So there is a window right here and now in the next two to three years for Deshaun Watson to capitalize on and maybe get, I don't want to say a cheap Super Bowl, that's very unfair, but get a Super Bowl while the NFC is at its weakest. I think the best way to get that Super Bowl, the easiest way to get that Super Bowl is with New Orleans. Without a doubt. So how about yourself here? I'm curious your thoughts. Now that we... Started the show talking about four teams. I said the Browns. Now we have learned, at least according to reports, it is down to just two. It is down to the Falcons. It is down to the Saints. Where should Deshaun Watson play? Love to get your thoughts at Ryan Hickey Show on Twitter. WWSRN underscore radio on Twitter as well. YouTube, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Facebook. Worldwide Sports Radio Network as well. So love to get your thoughts. 
Deshaun Watson. Should he go to the Saints? Should he go to the Falcons? We'll get your thoughts. And when we return, I want to get now to the thing I teased about before, the Seattle Seahawks. If you're a Seahawks fan, you're in big trouble. This team is hopeless going forward. I will explain why from something they said yesterday. So what that is when we return, listen to the Ryan Hickey Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show, right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We are back here on the Ryan Hickey Show. As you can tell, we're in a brand new New York City studios as we roll along here on St. Patrick's Day and on uh, the first day of March Madness. So I do want to discuss, as a reminder, by the way, we are coming to you live from where else, but the, or I should say, the, see, I'm all, I'm all screwed up here. So we will start that over. As a reminder, the 10 o'clock Eastern hour is always sponsored by LC Designs. Charcuterie boards are perfect for all occasions, so make sure your guests are happily fed with some delicious and aesthetically pleasing charcuterie boards made by Lauren Clark. Hopefully she's not listening as I totally butcher this read. So check out lcdesignsnyc.com lcdesignsnyc.com for more information so i want to take a a break of beat here from the sean watson conversation in case you're just joining us deshaun watson reportedly this according to aaron wilson decided between the saints and the falcons we react to that in a little bit but i do though want to um discuss something about the the seahawks yesterday Seattle is in a, a is in a lot of trouble. Seattle is in big trouble here moving forward because they are frankly stuck in 1967. They are stuck in the olden days of the NFL, and something they said yesterday I think reinforces the fact that as long as Pete Carroll's a head coach in Seattle, this team is not making the playoffs again. There is no doubt in my mind this team is absolutely missing the playoffs every single year now. Pete Cow remains in Seattle. The reason for that is that they don't respect, frankly, they don't really even care about the most important aspect to winning in the NFL today, and that is the quarterback position. You can't win in today's NFL. You can't win in 2022 when you ignore the most important position in all of sports. And what Seattle said yesterday, the statement they put out yesterday shows they have no idea, no realization that they are at fault for Russell Wilson leaving Seattle. They have no inkling, no realization that they... Seattle, Pete Carroll, John Schneider, Jody Allen, the owner, drove a top five quarterback out of their team and drove him away. Because the statement they put out Wednesday shows, in their minds, they don't think they did anything wrong, which is very concerning, because if you don't identify the problem, you can't fix the problem. And when you don't care about quarterbacks, you aren't going to win. So here are the statements. I'll read each very quickly here. Each, that is Jody Allen, the owner, Pete Cowell, the head coach, John Schneider, the GM. 
All three put out a statement on social media yesterday when the Russell Wilson trade to Denver became official. They did one of those statements thanking Russell Wilson for his time. But something really caught my eye here in each statement that I think is important that shows they don't give an an F about the quarterback position. So we'll start with the owner, Jody Allen. She said, quote, while Russell made it clear that he wanted this change, end quote. So there's the owner saying, basically, Russell Wilson made it clear he wanted out. We didn't want to force him out. He wanted out. Pete Carroll, quote, as Jody stated, Russ's desire in doing something different afforded the organization an opportunity to compete in multiple ways, end quote. So just following the company line here, the owner of the Seahawks says, Russell Wilson forced his way out. The head coach of Seattle says, as the owner said, Russell Wilson, he forced his way out. It was his decision. He had a desire to play elsewhere. The GM, John Schneider, got the memo as well. Because he said in his thank you note to Russell Wilson, quote, when it became evident that Russell wanted to play elsewhere, end quote. So all three, owner, head coach, GM, all shoved the blame for Russell Wilson leaving on the quarterback. Here is the concerning part. Here's why they're lost. Here is why they are never making the playoffs again in Pete Carroll's tenure in Seattle. They don't realize it was them that they are the reason. Russell Wilson left. Russell Wilson technically may have said, hey, I want to get traded. I want out of here. So sure, technically, they may be right. But in reality, in the real world, the actions by the owner, the actions by the GM, and most importantly, the actions by the head coach gave Russell Wilson no other choice but to say, if I want to win Super Bowls, if I want to have success and win, I have to go elsewhere. Let me ask you this question. If the Seattle Seahawks ran an offense that was comparable to a 21st century offense, if they had a head coach that realized, hmm, running the ball and playing good defense worked in 2001, it doesn't work in 2021, so let me continue to get good receivers. Let me continue to let Russell Wilson cook. Let me get some offensive line on that block for him and let me get an offensive coordinator. Let me change my philosophy to accentuate the biggest strength we have on our team, which is having a top five quarterback. If Russell will, or I should say Pete Carroll changed his attitude, changed his philosophy, is Russell Wilson asking out? My answer is no. If the Seahawks gave Russell Wilson the power he desired, if they gave Russell Wilson the power he frankly deserves and got some offensive linemen, allowed him to have a say in personnel decisions, allowed him to try to run the offense the way he wants to, apologies, New York City apartments are very noisy, as you can hear, the walls are very thin, if the Seahawks allowed Russell Wilson to have the power that, let's say, Tom Brady has in the, in the Buccaneers organization, is Russell Wilson requesting a trade? I would say no. So the, the Seahawks, sure, can technically say, Russell came to us, we weren't looking to trade him, he forced his way out and gave us no, you know, no other option. So you can try to pin the blame, save face, by blaming it on Russ, when in reality... Their actions, their inability, their 
antiquated philosophy is the reason why Russell Wilson said, I can't win here. I got to go somewhere else. If Russell, you know, if Pete Carroll should say, didn't embrace running the ball and playing good defense, didn't think that an antiquated, you know, idea of winning games are still applied in 2021, Russell Wilson is still a quarterback in Seattle. But because he's outdated, because the organization supports Pete Carroll, basically they told you, we are going to side, if it's Pete Carroll or Russell Wilson, we are siding with 71-year-old Pete Carroll. It's on them as a reason why Russ left, and there's no hope that they will ever be able to get back to playoff contention with Pete Carroll at the helm. They drove a top five quarterback to Denver. And yesterday, Denver reacted like anyone with a brain would when they introduced Russell Wilson. Because you know why? They acknowledged, they realized the talent that Russell Wilson has. They frankly fleeced the Seahawks in both what they gave up and the fact that the Seahawks traded a top five quarterback in his prime. What is everyone looking for? A quarterback. The Browns are about to take a step back at their quarterback position because they took a master swing into Sean Watson and seemingly are going to miss. Baker Mayfield is miffed and he's going to want out. The Colts haven't had a quarterback since Andrew Luck. Every single team, you know, that doesn't have a top five, top 10 quarterback is looking for an upgrade. The Seahawks had, what, 29, 28 teams would kill for a top four or five quarterback in the NFL. And they said, eh, we don't respect you. We're out of here. The, the Seahawks favored Russell or Pete Cal of Russell Wilson lunacy. And so when you see the Broncos' introductory press conference yesterday, I want to play this clip from, from Nathaniel Hackett. When you hear the head coach of the Broncos react the way that he did to the Russell Wilson news, as I'm about to play for you, it goes to showing, it shows a reminder, the Seahawks totally are outdated, and the Broncos are living, and like every other team, in the 21st century. Nathaniel Hackett can't even speak. He was, you know, hyperventilating at the podium yesterday because he was so fired up that the Broncos have a top five quarterback in the NFL. That's an organization that is a head coach that not only realizes the talent that he has in Russell Wilson, but he realizes the importance of the quarterback position. You can't win a Super Bowl in 2022 if you don't have a good quarterback. Look at the playoffs we just watched. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Matthew Stafford, Tom Brady. We have seen Joe Burrow. How can I leave out Joe Burrow? Great quarterback play determined who was winning these games. The Broncos realized that and went all in on Russell Wilson. They made Russell Wilson, or they did whatever they could to not only get Russell Wilson, but they now going forward are going to do whatever they possibly can do to make Russell Wilson the best quarterback he possibly can be, which means trading and signing guys that Russell Wilson prefers, giving him a say in personnel decisions, allowing him to say in kind of the offense and the scheme that is run because they realize, hey, we got to play to our quarterback's strengths. We're only going to go as far as Russell Wilson takes us. 
That is the right way to approach it. Whereas the Seahawks basically said, oh, we're going to win in spite of Russ. He throws too many picks. So we're going to run the ball. We're going to play super conservative. We're going to rely on our leaky defense to win us games. There's a reason why the Seahawks looked awful. Looked like one of the worst teams in the NFL when Geno Smith was at quarterback. It wasn't just because Geno Smith was there. It's because you realize, wow, Russell Wilson makes up for a lot of deficiencies on this roster. We all saw it. Unfortunately, P. Carroll and John Schneider did not because they said, ah, sorry, Russ, we're still not going to change our ways for you. See you later. You want out? Fine, we'll trade you. The Seahawks yesterday, whether it's their owner, head coach, GM, all tried to pin the blame on Russell Wilson for his departure from Seattle. When in reality, they are failing to look in the mirror and realize they are the reasons Russell Wilson wanted out. Pete Carroll, directly responsible for Russell Wilson forcing a trade. John Schneider, directly responsible for empowering Pete Carroll and essentially choosing a 71-year-old head coach over a 33-year-old quarterback in his prime. Jody Allen, she's been an absentee owner. She's to blame because she allowed John Schneider to empower Pete Carroll. The owner could have easily came in and said, we're not that stupid. We're smart people. We're not allowing a top quarterback to leave our building. She did not. All three are culpable. All three are to blame for Russell Wilson leaving. But the issue is, it's one thing if they acknowledge it. It's one thing if they acknowledge, we screwed up, our mistake, we will never let this happen again, we will make sure the next quarterback we get in here, we will treat right. We will learn from this going forward. It's a hard lesson to learn, it's a painful lesson to learn, but we will learn and make sure the same mistake doesn't happen twice. Instead, it's a definition of insanity, folks. Doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. The game has evolved Pete Carroll and the Seahawks have not. He won a championship a decade ago now. Congratulations. You're not winning one again. You are not winning another championship. You're not even making the playoffs with the way your team is built and with the way your philosophy of winning games is constructed. Because again, you chased away a top five quarterback in the NFL. And now, whether it's through a trade, no quarterback is coming to Seattle. There's a reason why Seattle was interested in reaching out to Deshaun Watson and Deshaun Watson rejected them. There are reports that the Seahawks reached out to Deshaun Watson to set up a meeting, right? He met with the Browns, Falcons, Panthers, Saints. He's meeting with teams for who he wants to play for. The Seahawks reached out. Deshaun Watson said, eh, thanks but no thanks. I'm not even going to sit down with you. I'm never going to hear your pitch. He's no dummy. He saw Russell Wilson get out of town because he, you know, the same reason why he's asking out of Houston is the same reason why Russell Wilson asked out of Seattle. So Deshaun Watson realizes there's no way in hell I'm going to Seattle. They don't change their ways. They are, you know, where quarterbacks, where elite quarterbacks go to die. If you draft a quarterback, there's no reason why they should sign an extension as long as Pete Carroll is there. Because again, definition of insanity, you saw Russell Wilson leave. How is that, you know, you think that you're any different? If they didn't, if they treated Russell Wilson like just any other quarterback, if they treated Russell Wilson like he was Mason Rudolph, do you really think now they're going to treat another quarterback any differently? No. And those statements on Wednesday prove that. This organization is lost. They are stuck in their ways. They're stuck in 1967. And it ain't changing soon. And that means they are not having a lot of success anytime soon. Big time worry if you're a Seattle Seahawks fan. 
it's a very depressing day if you wake up a Seahawks fan because not only do you see Russell Wilson now in the blue and orange, looking happy in a brand new team, you also now have to hear your head coach, your GM, and your owner piss say it wasn't it wasn't us, it was him, and didn't learn their lesson for the reason why Russell Wilson wanted out in the first place. So we'll get your thoughts here on the Seahawks. Is there any hope for this organization? I say hell no. As long as Pete Carroll is there, maybe you're different. We'll have to get your thoughts at Ryan Hickey Show on Twitter. Check us out on YouTube, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Also on Facebook, same handle, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. When we return to wrap up this Thursday edition of the Ryan Hickey Show, Deshaun Watson is reportedly deciding between two teams. It was four. It is cut in half to two. We'll tell you who those two teams are and the decision he should make when we do return us into the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Radio Network. Welcome back Welcome to the back Ryan Hickey Show. Right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back into the Ryan Hickey Show on the Worldwide Sports Network, as you just heard. So, we are following the developing story of Deshaun Watson's future. Where will he play? Who will he play for? Coming into this morning... We knew there was four teams that were finalists. It was the Browns, it was the Panthers, it was the Saints, and it was the Falcons. Now, we have learned, according to Aaron Wilson of Pro Football Network, that those four teams have been cut down to two. We've gone from the final four, if you will, on the the first day of March Madness to what is now a, a national title game, if we want to keep the basketball analogy going here, two teams. The final two teams that Deshaun Watson is reportedly deciding between are Saints and the Falcons. Now, Nick Underhill, who does cover the Saints as a beat writer, he reported that last night Deshaun Watson had a second meeting with the Saints. So far, the only team we have learned to have a second meeting with. He met with all four teams once, and now reportedly he met with the Saints for a second time last night. Now, according to Aaron Wilson, again, someone who used to cover the Houston Texans on a daily basis. He is based out of Houston. So he has strong connections to the organization and obviously Deshaun Watson. He's not only reporting that it is down to two, he's deciding between the Falcons and the Saints. He is saying, Aaron Wilson is, that right now the leader in the clubhouse is the New Orleans Saints. So let me just say this here. Number one, I think the easy decision between these two teams is the Saints. I personally had the Browns number one. I thought he was going to the Browns. I thought the perfect uh, place for him out of those four teams would have been in Cleveland. I thought he had the most success. He would have had the most success uh, in the quickest fashion in the Cleveland with the Browns. But now that the Browns are reportedly out of the mix, down to two Saints and Falcons, to me the easy answer by far, by far, he should play for the Saints. Because when you look at what the Saints offer and where they're located in the NFC South, you can legitimately say this team can win the division next year and be Super Bowl contenders. If you look at what the Saints have coming back, you have Michael Thomas, who missed all of last year, coming back, they restructured his deal, he seems to now be happier returning with the Saints, and I guarantee you, with some you know discontent last year between him and Sean Payton, if you have Deshaun Watson as your quarterback, Michael Thomas is running back to the Saints. 
I don't know where he vacations in the offseason. I don't know where he spends a lot of his time in trains. But I promise you, if he trains somewhere in, let's say, Florida, he is literally running back to New Orleans if Deshaun Watson's the quarterback. He'll be fired up. He'll be back and be all in. So he'll be healthy. And you have an all-pro receiver if you're Deshaun Watson to throw the ball to. You have a tremendous weapon in Alvin Kamara. Great running back. Great threat out of the backfield for you to hand the ball off to and dump the ball off to. So you have two great weapons already in place in Kamara and Michael Thomas at your disposal if you go to New Orleans. They have a really solid offensive line, really good defense. The massive question mark is Dennis Allen. was a a horrible head coach with the Raiders, as we know. He's getting a second chance here. He's done a great job with the defense in his time in New Orleans. We'll see who he is as a head coach. But the Saints, out of the two teams, Saints and Falcons, have a great opportunity for Deshaun Watson to come in to compete for the NFC South right away. I know Tom Brady's back at the Bucs, but let's look at it this way. The Saints last year went 9-8. The quarterbacks the Saints had last year were Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill, uh, Ian Book, and Trevor Simeon. Those four quarterbacks combined to help the Saints go 9-8. Those four quarterbacks were really Jameis Winston in one start and Taysom Hill in the other start were 2-0 against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. They beat him twice. They have you know the Saints, uh, the, the Buccaneers number. They somehow have a winning record with those four quarterbacks at play, arguably the worst quarterback room in all the NFL last year. You bring Deshaun Watson in. You absolutely can dethrone the Bucs as NFC South champs. And when you look around the rest of the NFC, who truly scares you? I think still the Rams are the team to beat in the NFC, but they just lost Von Miller. You have your, you know, the head coach in Sean McVay. You have the all-time great defensive player in Aaron Donald talking about retirement. Now, both are going to return, but just the fact that the retirement talk was there, it was in their head. Okay, how truly locked in and dialed in are they going to be? So the Rams, I still think the team to beat, but they have gotten weaker and I don't think are definitely unbeatable. The Packers, same thing. They are definitely getting weaker. Zedarius Smith is gone. Offensive line depth is gone. Devonta Adams reportedly won't play under the franchise tag. So there's an opportunity if a deal is not made between now and July. Could Deshaun, uh, could Devonta Adams sit out, force a trade? The Packers have gotten weaker even though they brought back Aaron Rodgers. So the Rams, weaker. Packers, weaker. If you have the Saints, uh, or if you have Deshaun Watson, the Saints, are you really scared of the Cowboys? I'm absolutely not. The Cowboys are frauds. Same thing with the Cardinals. The 49ers are taking a step back at quarterback with Trey Lance coming in and his first full year as a starter. So while they made the NFC title game this year, they still have a great roster, arguably the best roster in the NFL. I'd argue they'll take a step back and not be as potent. So you look around the NFC. If the Saints land Deshaun Watson, pairing with Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, put him behind a really good offensive line and a really good defense with a very solid front four, this team, I would say the team to beat in the NFC South and definitely in the Super Bowl conversation and right up there with the Packers and the Rams, without a doubt. So if you're Deshaun Watson, for me, it's a no-brainer. Saints or the Falcons, it's an absolute no-brainer. You can now capitalize on what is a open and weak NFC right away. He wants to compete. He wants to win. The biggest reason why, let's not forget, he's leaving the Texans is because they basically were not committed to winning. Bill O'Brien traded away every single good player outside of Sean Watson. 
The organization wasn't listening to him. There was no vision. There was no path. Deshaun Watson realized, I'm toiling in anonymity. This team stinks. They had the owner's clueless. He's getting, you know, talked into by this guy, Jack Easterby, who is a, a team pastor. And basically, Jack Easterby is the most powerful man in the organization. This team is rudderless. So Sean Watson said, I'm getting out of here. I had a career year on a 4-12 and team with no offensive line, no running backs, no receivers, no defense. He wants to win. And you can absolutely win and win often in New Orleans with what they have right there in, uh, with the Saints. Whereas the Falcons, I get he grew up in Georgia. I get the Falcons for him are his hometown team. Right, He grew up, he was a ball boy on the sidelines um, for the Falcons. But the Falcons are in trouble, man. Deshaun Watson is a top five quarterback. Even with that said, the Falcons are not competing next year. The best receiver in Calvin Ridley out for the year. Matt Ryan's contract, even though if they get Deshaun Watson, he won't be on the team. That dead cap hit of Matt Ryan is going to be $55 million. That is a massive hindrance for the Falcons in 2022 to add more free agents to make this team better than what they are right now. So you can get Deshaun Watson. You still have holes on the offensive line. You still have holes at running back where you had Cordell Patterson, a receiver, and kicker Turner basically be your leading rusher last year. So you need help at receiver. You need help at running back. You need help on the offensive line. You need help on the defense. I like Kyle Pitts at a very solid rookie year. I like Arthur Smith. I think he's a very bright and good offensive mind. But other than that, there is not really anything there that if you're Deshaun Watson says, oh yeah, we're going to have a lot of success and we're going to get in there and have, you know, create a, a dynasty or a juggernaut. The Falcons are... I don't say in shambles, but they are a mess right now. They are nowhere near contention. They are nowhere near ready to win as the Saints are right now. Nowhere near ready to take advantage of a down NFC with the top three contenders in the Buccaneers, Packers, and Rams all getting weaker this offseason. The Saints present a tremendous opportunity for Deshaun Watson to win and win now. If he goes and teams up with Michael Thomas, with Alvin Kamara, with that solid line and good defense, the Saints to me are the team to be in the NFC South, and they're right there with the Packers and Rams in terms of being Super Bowl contenders in the NFC. They legitimately can make a run to the Super Bowl in 2022 if they get to Sean Watson. So when it comes to decide between the Saints and the Falcons, it's a no-brainer for me. Go to the team where you can literally lift a Lombardi trophy in year one. The Saints are there. The Falcons are nowhere close. That's why for me, it is an easy, no-brainer decision. You go to the Saints. The Saints, according to Aaron Wilson, are the leader in the clubhouse. We are reacting, in case you're just tuning in, welcome. We are reacting to the report from Aaron Wilson, Pro Football Network, based in Houston, that Deshaun Watson's list of teams that was at four, Browns, Panthers, Falcons, Saints, now down to two, Saints, Falcons. Those are the final two. We have shaved the four teams down to two. We are now awaiting a decision. According to Jay Glazer and uh, Mike Florio, both last night reported that Deshaun Watson is very torn uh, between you know deciding which team wants to play for. It's a very tough decision. So he's taking his time. He is... Um, He's trying to think of every, you know, think of all the pros and cons. 
I see a lot of pros, very little cons with the Saints. I see a lot of cons and little pros of the Falcons. This to me is an absolute no-brainer. You absolutely go to the Saints 10 out of 10. So I guess we will not have a decision as we end the show here on this Thursday. But that is okay because we got a loaded show and it's great to be back with you. As you can tell, we are here in New York City, brand new uh, studio. That is why we had no show on Monday or last Thursday in the process of moving in. Had some mic uh, technical difficulties get set up, but here we are. New studio, things will change. Hopefully, we'll, we'll change the aesthetic around a little bit here. So maybe the visual will change in the coming weeks. But now we will be back on our normal Monday and Thursday schedule at 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. So that will do it for this edition of the Ryan Hickey Show. A tremendous, tremendous show. It was great to be back with you guys. Thanks so much for, for tuning in and joining with us here on what is a one of the truly the best days of the year. St. Patrick's Day, so happy St. Patty's Day to you. Be Irish. Great day to be Irish every day, but especially on a day like today. Enjoy the March Madness. Fingers crossed your bracket uh, is alive. Let's say by the time we wake up tomorrow morning, probably not for most of us, but hey, that's the joys of March, the expected, the unexpected. My final four, Kansas, Baylor, Texas Tech, Arizona. Kansas is my champion. I will definitely revisit that when uh, all four picks are wrong. It's going to be a blast. So enjoy, enjoy all the madness this weekend. We'll be back with you on Monday to break it all down. So as always, stay safe, stay sane, and we'll talk to you on Monday. Where else? But... The Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Shack. 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 To the Ryan Hickey